three, two, one, and we Woo. are here. We are here. We are live. So first things first. Ah! Yes. Oh, I love it. Yes. I have my uh, true crime podcast and chill on. Yes. This just came in. This is the cropped hoodie. I know you can't tell. Got me flashing everyone. But uh, so cute. It's not like too thick. It's perfect. So yeah, I love it. Go get you one. And yeah, everyone should order one. Uh, male, female, whatever. Everyone needs a pink cropped, cropped hoodie. hoodie. Right. <laughs> oh my love it. Um, Love it. So um, I have a corrections for us. And oh, it's what? that we have been saying impoverished in so many episodes. Impoverished is not a word. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? It's impoverished. So I was like, I Yeah. I'm such an idiot. So impoverished. Whatever. It means the same thing to us. Right. So if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you know, then you know. Also, have yeah. you watched the new season of Tiger King? No, I have not yet. <laughs> We are so behind on, like, television, it's not even funny, so. Well, we don't have lives. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It gets a little more into the animal abuse side of things, which one of the episodes was hard to watch. It was, Mm -hmm. like, ugh. Yeah. So is Joe even in it? Yeah. Through jail. from jail? Yeah, he does, like, video video interviews. And uh, spoiler, well, I won't do the spoiler. I'll let you watch it and then we'll talk about it because there's a big twist as far as like why he's in jail. Wow. Yeah. So. All right. Haven't decided what team I want just yet. You know, I haven't even like, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the new uh, season of you yet. Like I am so behind. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just so behind on television. I know. It's like completely unacceptable. I also just watched a new Ted Bundy movie with uh, Mm. the guy from Lord of the Rings. Shit. I'm not good at names. Anyways, the Hobbit looking guy. Like the the main characters in it. Yeah. He is a Pagmire. And it goes oh. through, like, the detective side of things. It's yeah. very interesting. It's so good. You know, I saw that documentary, and I wanted to watch it yeah. for the story, um, but just didn't, you know, have yeah. time. Well, hmm. so. way to do your research, so. I know. <laughs> you know, I just uh, reread a book, pretty much. So, you know, anyway. Wait, what book did you read? Uh, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, that's all the news I have. Yeah. I mean, really, I don't really have much news either, you know, other than this week is a busy week for most people. I cannot believe it's already the holiday season. I know. Like, it is insane. I'm honestly just ready for November to be over. I don't know what, it felt like it went by in such a blur, and it's weird because a lot of fun things happen, but... Not a big Thanksgiving fan, so I'm looking forward to, like, spending time with my boyfriend's family. But other than that, I'm like, okay, let's just skip straight into Christmas. Right. Yeah. I'm so ready for Christmas. So. So ready. Anyways, what is your something spiked at 1.30 p.m.? 
Yeah, at one thirty. Um, I made a spiked iced coffee with oh. tequila. Oh, really? Is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I make espresso, like I'll make espresso martinis, but I don't like vodka, so I'll put tequila in it. Okay. It's so good. I love espresso martinis. Um, what is yours? Well, I was telling Alexa before we started this that my allergies are kicking my asshole right now, <laughs> so I didn't want to go too crazy. I really wish Nick was here to make me a hot toddy. I just know I would royally mess it up. So right. I'm back to a, a Pinot Rosé. This one's from South nice. Africa. And I'm Yum. sipping it out of our tumbler. Oh, our something <laughs> sinister tumbler. Yes. I should have done that. Uh, should have done that. You guys, seriously, um, we're going to be, I know it's going to be too late by the time this podcast comes out, but holiday season, our merch is honestly so fun. And you can find yeah. stuff for true crime brands, true crime crime fans that don't yes. necessarily listen to the podcast right so definitely go check it out yeah you definitely should it's super cute yeah. super cute um so that is our something spiked yeah. uh what do you want the drinking word to be mm. man haven't given it a single thought. I've been video <laughs> editing for our exclusive content like a mad right. person. Okay. <laughs> so what about um uh oh god. Oh god, help me out here. What's a good one? Help me out. I mean Because there's okay. so many words that you could use yeah. for this story. Um maybe strangle um okay let's do okay yeah we'll do we'll do strangle or stock do you say the word stock a lot how about this we'll just use his name no we are not <laughs> using the name because we will be drunk in 10 minutes. Okay. We are not using the name. Okay. Did he have like a code name? I can't remember. Yeah, but I say it one time. Okay, we'll do strangle. We'll do strangle. Okay. All right. So, uh, if you are 21 <laughs> and older and you hear the word strangle, take a sip. Drink with us at 1.30 in the afternoon. Woo! Um, if you are under the age of 21 or you don't drink, sip on whatever you want to sip on. Sip on some water. Stay hydrated. Some it's very warm important. Milk. It's the holidays. Ew. Maybe you got some eggnog. <laughs> some spiked eggnog. Yes. Do you like eggnog? Alrighty. I do. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> I do. Gross. Okay. I like it. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, um, all right, so our disclaimer, our videos and podcasts are for entertainment purposes. All information discussed was found on the internet. Keep in mind, we will talk all things sinister that may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer discretion advised. Yes. I know, I know. So we are talking about... Theodore, Robert Bundy, Ted Bundy, Woo! a.k.a. the Campus Killer. Ugh, classic. Or, yeah, one of the most classic stories. Um, also one of the most prolific serial killers literally in history in such a short period of time. 
which is just crazy. Yeah. Um, so crazy. Such a good story, you know, to talk about. Um, he killed, he confessed to killing of at least 30 women, um, but says that he killed over 100. Um, he was also a serial rapist and a necrophiliac. Mm. So for those of you that don't know what that means, um, you can Google it or I'll just tell you what it means. It means uh, <laughs> they are, are people who like to screw a corpse. So, so gross. So nasty. Gross. Nasty, nasty. Yeah, I would say this is the first ne like necrophiliac that we have talked about. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, he was born November 24th, 1946 in Burlington, Vermont. Oh my gosh, today um, is his birthday. Yeah, I know. Oh! I was going to say that. Today oh, is his gosh, birthday. Oh gosh, gosh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, at the time we're recording, not when it's released, but the time we're recording no. today is November 24th. That is... I know. Oh! I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny is like, I did not even like pick that. Like I didn't do yeah. that on purpose. Well, we pushed like, our recording I, a day back. We were supposed to we record did. yesterday. So yesterday. That's so, ooh, ooh. I know today would have been uh, his birthday, which ooh. is crazy. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, November 24th. So he is a Sagittarius. So we are past yep. the Scorpio season and we've moved into the Sagittarius season. Um, Want to talk a little bit about Sagittarius. You know, this is the intro to the Sagittarius season, but their strengths are they are independent. They have an intense charm. They are easily able to attract friends and lovers and they thrive on being experts. So hmm. always want to be right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Weaknesses. Um, they are arrogant and unreliable. And then they like challenges. They like thrill taking. And they always are risk takers. You know, I don't think I know any Sagittarius's. I know. I was like trying to think of anybody that I know, but I just know a shit ton of Scorpios. Yeah. So if you're a Sagittarius, if this is true, leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. Yeah. Also, do you um, relate? <laughs> yeah. Do you relate <laughs> to Ted Bundy? Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, dislikes. They absolutely dislike disappointment or being controlled. Hmm. Ironic. Right. So I want us to focus on for Ted Bundy, not liking to be controlled. Mm -hmm. He has to be in control and intense charm mm -hmm. because he is a charmer and you are going to hear that throughout this story. Yeah. Okay. So kind of crazy. Um, I do want to talk about, you know, Sagittarius for their element. They are a fire sign. Um, and one, a couple things that I found like super fascinating with a fire sign goes hand in hand, you know, with being a Sagittarius, um, they desperately need to be inspired to be happy. So they're okay. constantly searching for things to keep them happy, whether it's the thrill or risk taking or, you know, falling in love, they are constantly needing to be inspired to be happy. Huh. Okay. 
And did they? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No. Go. Well, go you said thrill seeking, right? Yeah. So that's kind of also a, a trait of that. You got to always have the next big thing. More, yeah. More, more, more. Right. Escalation. Mm-hmm. So got it. Yeah. Um, they also manifest themselves in unique ways. So, um, they can be a bit obsessive with themselves in a way they, they are. So one of the dislikes, sorry, weaknesses was being arrogant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're obsessed with themselves, a little arrogant in a way. So that goes hand in hand. Um, and it will go hand in hand with Ted Bundy. And then, uh, going back to, you know, like taking risks and being a thrill seeker. Um, they tend to be powerful, adventurous, and take action or take charge in any, um, what does it say, in any confrontational way that they need to. Huh. So it's just kind of crazy because, you know, obviously everyone knows who Ted Bundy is and they know, you know, the whole story about them. Hopefully you learn a lot more. Um, and these couple of episodes, but it just didn't make sense for Ted Bundy. All of those with being a fire sign. You say it does? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was going to say it's spot on. Oh yeah. I think so too. So, um, anyway, born November 24th in Burlington, Vermont to Eleanor Louise Cowell. Um, he was actually born at the Elizabeth Lund home for unwed mothers. So his mother was a single mom. She wasn't married. Um, he never knew his father, but whenever he was a little bit older, his mom ended up telling him that she was seduced by a war veteran. And whenever she, um, got pregnant, he left her. And so that's why she ended up going to the Elizabeth Lund home for unwed mothers, you know, so they could help her in the end of her pregnancy. And, you know, of course, whenever she had Ted, um, they could help her, you know, with that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so right off the bat, you know, there's a little bit of abandonment issues, you know, being a child. Um, and apparently, which we're going to talk a little bit more about this, Ted was raised by his grandparents. So, Born at the, the unwed mother's place and then moved back to Philadelphia where his grandparents lived. And his grandparents' name were Samuel and Eleanor Cowell. So reason why he was raised by his grandparents was they didn't want him to be raised as a bastard. They thought it was an embarrassment to their family and at that time in the 40s, it wasn't common yeah. for mothers to be single mothers, you know, and not be married and have children. It's not funny. I just think that it is also hilarious that that was ever a real term. Like, like to yeah. look at someone and be like, oh, he's a bastard child. And it's not funny because like moms being left on their own to like right. raise a kid or any parent, mom or dad. Right. But right. the fact that like, kids were looked down upon <laughs> oh i know it's sad i don't know why that just is uh yeah it's so sad weird. you know it's yeah it is really weird but you know think of those times like women were getting married at 16 right. and having their first child then being a stay-at-home mom and yeah. like the times were just super different and 
It's just so weird. Even parents these days, if you're a single parent, then you right. they still tend to be on the struggling side. And I understand that. But it's crazy now because single parents are also so praised as being like oh, strong sure. and you're a hero. And like, look at you go. You're doing this by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so it's like yeah. completely opposite these days. Anyways. Oh, absolutely. Kind of a duh, but. <laughs> right. Kind of a duh. So, you know, he was raised by his grandparents and, um, you know, up until he was like three years old, he called his grandparents mom and dad. And he thought his mom was actually his sister. So he didn't know because oh, grandparents okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted him to believe that they were his parents, that they didn't, they didn't want Ted to think that he was, you know, a bastard. And so he would call his mom, Louise, his sister which is just so weird and so confusing. Yeah, especially as a child. when you find out one day, that would just... Well, especially fast forward to whenever you're five years old, and we'll talk about this in a minute, where his mom, Louise, takes him away from his grandparents. So it's just, it's all so confusing. And I can't even imagine, you know, as a child going through that. Like, yeah. number one... Yeah, you have a stable household, but number two, it's like, okay, your grandparents are now your parents, but now they're your grandparents, which is so weird. And yeah. to turn a little twist into that, rumor is, so Ted never knew his dad, right? Mom said that she was seduced by this war vet, um, but Ted never knew who his actual dad was. But rumor is um, his family actually said that his grandfather was his biological father and that he raped his mom, Louise. Oh so his God. daughter. Yeah. Wait, and this is the guy raising him? Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So just hey. crazy. Why? I know. Sad. How could, um, you, how could you, well, one, live with yourself, but then look at know. this boy and yeah. oh, I just can't. I know. That's so sad. So sad. If that is true, you know, I mean, yeah. nobody ever said for sure, but that's just kind of like the rumor. Um, yeah. So his grandfather was uh, an abusive man. He was an alcoholic um, and he was physically and mentally abusive, you know, to the family, including Ted as a young boy. Um, but, you know, as Ted grew up and became an adult, he idolized his grandfather because his grandfather was a hardworking man. He was a well-respected man as well. Um, and even though, you know, there was some abuse uh, and mentally and physical abuse, he still idolized him and looked up, up to his grandfather. Um, and then mm -hmm. later on is whenever, you know, he found out that, well, maybe my grandfather is my dad. But it, it's sad to say that he didn't really care. Um, you know, about that in a way, because again, this man raised him. Right. So it's just a weird dynamic. Mm, yeah. That'd be so complicated. I know. Um, but whenever Ted was a child, you know, there was some disturbing behavior, um, especially whenever he was at three years old. So his aunt was watching him, you know, grandpa, grandma were gone. His mom, biological mom was gone. And so his aunt was watching him and um, they went to bed and she woke up to Ted next to the bed and 
he had put knives around her in bed. And he was three years old. No. Yeah. This goes back to the sleepwalking conversation. Absolutely <laughs> not. Children are terrifying. I, I would. They are. Put you in a home. Yep. <laughs> right. Peace out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, and she said, you know, that this had happened multiple times. Like this wasn't the only time, you know, that this had happened. That and they had done just this. did what? Nothing. <laughs> they just thought like, oh, he's just a curious kid and he'll grow out of it. And oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It's awful. I know. So Fast forward two years, he's five years old. His mom and him moved to Tacoma, Washington, which is right outside of Seattle. And she meets this man named Johnny, um, Johnny Bundy, actually, and ends up getting married. And Johnny decides to adopt Ted. Hmm. Um, so this is when Luis, his mom, changed Ted's last name from Nelson um, to Bundy. Okay. So this is where the Bundy was created. Mm. Um, Ted hated his stepdad, Johnny. Absolutely hated him. And it's said that the reason why he didn't like him was because he had been shuffled around so much as a child. Um, but also it was more of like a jealousy component with his mom. Mm -hmm. Like when his mom got with this man, she, you know, instead of focusing on Ted 100% of the time and giving him all of her attention, now he had to split it right with this man. Yeah. And Ted just did not care for his stepfather. And then this is when, you know, at the age of five, he started building that resentment towards his mom and towards women in general. Yeah. Mm, sad. It is. Um, his mom ended up having four other children with Johnny. So, um, you know, obviously Bundy was, or I say Bundy, I'll say that throughout, you know, the episode Bundy or Ted, but um, obviously Ted was the oldest, but she ended up having four other children with this man. And, you know, later down the line, whenever he was an adult, um, Bundy ended up telling a psychologist which is pretty sad that he always felt unloved mm. as a kid and he always felt unplaced. Like he didn't really feel welcomed. Yeah. Whichever household he was in. Was his which stepdad makes sense. abusive? No. Or was he it pretty normal? It said, yeah. It said that his stepdad was Just... a good working man. Yeah. Okay. And normal. And, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, but they weren't poor by any means. Um, mm. Kind of like a middle class family um it said that ted was kind of a little shit um he would <laughs> he put knives by your bed we'll start with that yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> right um he just like had this entitlement about him where he wanted to have the nicest of the nicest clothes and shoes and all these things and like beg for expensive stuff you know from his stepdad and his stepdad would be like no we can't afford that number one number two you don't need it. Yeah. So, you know, just little things like that. There was a story that I read where they were in um, like a local Sears and stepdad was buying tools and, you know, it was Ted mom and stepdad and Ted saw some toy that he wanted and, you know, ended up throwing a fit, like throwing himself on the ground and kicking and screaming and, you know, just being a little shit. And so, 
Um, you know, it said that he was kind of just a bad kid, you know, in that yeah. way because he didn't get his way. Yikes. Yeah. So, um, also at this age, he apparently, you know, in his young childhood up until he was a teenager, he loved to scare people. So not only would he like pop out and be like, boo, like he loved to scare people in a way that they would be absolutely terrified. So, so okay, quick story. I used to do this as a kid, like stand in dark oh, me corners. Too. And yeah, we had this like L-shaped hallway. And at the corner of the L, we had this tall fake tree. And I would stand mm -hmm. behind it and shake it or something when people would walk by. <laughs> My parents had to sit down talk with me. Because they're like, this is not normal how much you enjoy scaring us. Good you are at it. So, like, ah, maybe it's a thing. I don't know. But I used, I still do. But not, yeah. like, when I was a kid, if I had an opportunity to scare someone. Oh, yeah. You would take it. It's mine. Instantly. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that's normal. We'll talk about uh, here in a second, like, what he did that would terrify people but um i think that's normal yeah. as a kid i mean hell tony and i still scare each other yeah. all the time but like maybe all the like time. popping out with a knife or something isn't normal or yeah maybe not yeah maybe not okay. i didn't <laughs> do that why. just to clarify lies lies <laughs> you did i'm calling your mom after this episode <laughs> oh my god um but no so what he would do is you know, he would put people on terrifying situations. So, you know, he lives out in Tacoma, Washington, and, you know, there's lots of forests, lots of trees, and where they live, they had, like, a little mini, like, forest, you know, near their house, and kids would play, you know, in between the trees all the time, and he would dig holes, like, big holes, and fill it with leaves. So when the kids are running, they would fall in this hole. Oh, my gosh. And it's... Yeah, and they would hurt themselves. Like, one kid I read broke their leg. Other people, like, twisted ankles. A girl ended up breaking her arm. Like, and he legit thought that was funny. And how old is so, he at this point? Um, About se between, like, 7 and 12. He did this oh often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's not kind funny, of but it up. is. Nope. Nope. You know, and if we think about, like, serial killers, like, yeah, they experiment on animals most of the time, and they wet the bed on, you know, most of the occasions. I mean, he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. He did other things that most serial killers don't do. Yeah. So. Couldn't see the signs. weird. Yeah, the signs weren't there. Except um, maybe the fact, knives in the bed. That... <laughs> Yeah, now that is a huge sign. <laughs> That's like, a sign. But it makes you wonder, like, how did he even know, like, what knives were? Did somebody, like, show him? Was, you know, Grandpa, like, sharpening knives? Like, I never really connected the dots as to where. Because he was, like, three, wasn't he? Three. Or, yeah. yeah. How do you know, as a three-year-old, how do you know what a knife is? Or how can you get to the knives? That, too. Hmm. Anyways. That's weird. <laughs> Really weird. Um, so in high school, you know, as a young teenager, he was a loner, didn't really have a lot of friends. Um, 
he wasn't like terrible at sports. He liked to play them, but he wasn't good. So he never really made any of the teams. Um, but he lived in Washington and he ended up finding a true love for snow skiing. He loved hmm. to snow ski and apparently like he was really good at it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Also in high school, you know, just talk a little bit more about his childhood is he ended up on only going on one date with one woman in high school. So never had a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sign. Yep. Red flag there. Um, but he was, you know, I don't know. I'm sure all boys are like this, but I don't know if they masturbate in school. Um, but apparently it's rumored that he would masturbate in school. So like, in the bathroom or he would like jump into like a janitor closet and be masturbating and the other kids would find him and like pull him out of the closet and like beat him up and make fun of him and stuff. So oh my God. kind of, yeah, yeah I wonder kind of if weird. that's normal. I mean, yeah, if they do it at school, like you I would, I would think just from hearing stories that like maybe when you're first going through puberty, you don't know what's happening. You don't know how to control it. Maybe that's yeah. normal, but right. But by the time you're like 13, 14, you know what that thing high is school, and you know what it yeah. can do. Yeah. yeah. By the time you're in high school, that's probably not okay, but I don't know. All right. M men leave us a comment. Put it in our rate yeah. in our review section because I'm Yeah, just... did you <laughs> right, did you ever masturbate in high school? And if so, was it in the bathroom? We are here for educational purposes. <laughs> Officially. <Right>. Officially. <laughs> um <laughs> Gross. so funny. So, you know, a couple of like red flags that we've talked about. Um and you know, this is when like some of the petty crimes started as well so whenever he was in high school um you know he loved to snow ski but his parents couldn't afford like the equipment you know for him to use so he would steal it or he would get a lift pass he would pay for one and he would forge the lift pass you know on the date like saying oh no it doesn't expire till next weekend or next month so mm -hmm. that way he would be able to go as often as he wanted to hmm. So he would do, you know, little petty crimes here and there. And then he also tried to steal a car whenever he was like 15 years old. Um, he ended up getting caught, but the police was like, what are you doing? Go home, <laughs> you know, get home to your parents. And so nothing ever happened there. Huh. Um, then he developed a, kind of a love for being a peeping Tom. So, yeah, so Gross. it said that, you know, in the city, he, um, he delivered newspapers. So he was a newspaper boy and he would like walk through, you know, miles delivering newspapers and he would kind of like scope the places out to see yep. where the attractive adult women lived and the attractive like girls that he went to high school lived. Ugh. And so he would come back and like be a peeping Tom, you know, look at them through their windows. And some people like called and said that it was Ted, but he would deny it, you know, saying that he didn't do any of that. Hmm. Yeah. And back then, I mean, wow, I'm going to sound so dumb. Video surveillance, right. like, was that a thing? Yeah. 
No. Okay. I'm like, I don't, no. I don't think so. At least not no. like on private homes. And... Yeah. This was in like 1960. They oh, definitely okay. yeah, did yeah, not yeah, have you're that. Right. I was thinking 70s, 80s, but we're not to that yet. So. No. He was born in 46, you know, so he's yeah 15, you know, young at this time. Yep. Man. Yeah. So, you know, all these things kind of lead up to... Bundy, I guess, just being Bundy and, you know, just being one of the most prolific serial killers. And, um, you know, his first victim from Tacoma, Washington, this is what they say, uh, was apparently an eight-year-old girl named Anne Marie Burr. Um, she disappeared from her home in the middle of the night on August 31st, 1961. Um, at this time, Bund Bundy would have been 14 years old and only lived a few miles from the Burr house. Um, he delivered newspapers to this house. And so, you know, she knew who he was. He knew who she was probably just saying like, hi, or she's playing outside or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, the reason why they think it was Bundy, uh, who ended up kidnapping her is because whenever he is an adult and a prolific serial killer, um, his motive is to sneak into houses in the middle of the night and either, you know, rape and beat them there or kidnap them and take them out of the house with other people home where nobody hears a thing. Wow. And so, yeah. And so this poor girl, you know, she's in her room in the middle of the night and they think what happened was he came to her window. He like knocked on her window. She saw it was Ted. She opened up the window and he said, do you want to come with me? She climbed out of the window and he killed her. Now he denies it. And even whenever he confessed to all of his murders, whenever, before he was executed, he still at that day, you know, said, I did not yeah. kill her. Hmm. He said, um, he said, you know, he was just a normal 14-year-old boy that got in trouble here and there, um, but didn't develop, you know, the addiction of killing women until he was older. So, hmm. I mean, it does make you wonder, but yeah, uh, I don't want to give him the benefit of the I doubt. Know. Yeah, you don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt because it fits his motive, mm -hmm. right? But, and another thing that fits his motive is they never found her body. So she went missing August 31st, 1961, and they never found her body. Oh, um, so sad. And right, and a lot of Bundy's victims, they never found their bodies. So it, it like it kind of yeah. connects, you know, on another level. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird. Um so fast forward uh, to, you know, the late 60s, um, he then went to the University of Washington. So he graduated high school. He goes to the University of Washington where he ends up graduating with a degree in psychology yeah. in 1972, which is just, just insane. Oh, my God. It's insane. Um, here, you know, he's enrolled in college and he meets his first love of his life, Diane Edwards. Um, she was from California. She was rich. She was smart. She was a total package when it came to Ted. She had long, dark hair split down the middle, parted down the middle. 
Um, and this is kind of where, you know, experts say he developed a motive or a certain demographic for mm -hmm. women in the future. Because if you look at most of the women that he did murder, they fit the same description. Yeah. They're tall, they're slender, they're beautiful, long, dark hair parted down the middle. So Ugh. it's just weird. Yeah, it's just it's, so weird. And it's it's like an, an obsessive thing. And then him being in psychology basically gave him a handbook for oh, yeah. how to behave and act and play how yeah. the mind works. So right. Ugh. And him being a Sagittarius, you know, he's a charming, good looking man. Yeah. And so, you know, even if there were red flags from these women, they would ignore it because he is good looking yeah. and he's charming. So everyone loves a bad boy. Everyone loves a bad boy. Um, in the Netflix documentary, The Ted Bundy Tapes, uh, he says, and quote, the relationship I had with Diane had a lasting impact on me. Um, so, you know, again, it just kind of like fits the motive and the demographic of those women. Yeah. He was kind of carrying out, you know, the downfall of their relationship with these other women. Yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of weird because... Throughout their relationship, Diane ends up, you know, sitting with many different journal journalists in the future after he got caught. But she said the relationship was great in the beginning. It was fun. Everything was perfect until he met her family. And when he met her family, he noticed that she was rich and he didn't have anything. You know, mm -hmm. he was a poor college kid at this time. He was working at um, a suicide crisis hotline center which we'll talk a lot about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was working. He was going to school all day, and then he was working 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. and barely sleeping, barely eating. He was very frail as a man. Like, mm -hmm. he didn't have a lot of muscle. He didn't look strong. Um, he honestly looked kind of unhealthy. And, you know, <clears throat> she says, you know, this is when the insecurities started with him. He would say things like, I'm not good enough for you, or I'm not good enough for your family. And, you know, although she was in love with him, this kind of like, de like deterred her from him. Yeah. And this is where the relationship, you know, kind of took a turn. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, she ended up breaking up with him. It was kind of, I say she did, but it was kind of like a mutual thing. Um, they ended up just breaking up with each other. He was just so busy. She saw all of these insecurities in him and, you know, she was like, I love you, but we just aren't compatible. Yeah. So literally, um, not even shortly after, I think it said like a couple mm -hmm. days after he ended up going on a date, you know, with the second girlfriend or love of his life, Elizabeth, uh, how do you, Plofer. So this is the woman that stuck by him. And as you saw, you know, the doc or the movie with yeah. Zac Efron, that is very dramatized. She wasn't involved in his full like trial, yeah. but Elizabeth, you know, stuck with him most of that period up until, um, about the very end. Um, she was a single mom, um, and, you know, ended up getting pregnant by Ted. 
Yeah. So this is that same year that they start dating. She gets pregnant by him and she ends up telling him like, I can't afford another baby. You can't afford a baby. So she ends up having an abortion. Mm. So sad. So it's said that he never, never forgave her for that. They had such a great relationship in the beginning, but it is said that just enhanced his resentment towards women and towards her in general, whenever, you know, she aborted yeah. their baby. Yeah. And that's and although, probably super uncommon. Again, one of those things that's kind of seen differently these days, Yeah, but that was probably yeah, it was, huge back then. It was huge and it was very uncommon. And, you know, at first she said that he was okay with it, but then everything changed. Yeah. When like, and she yeah. saw that he became, you know, he started drinking more. Um, he was easily to anger. So um, it's just kind of a sad situation all in all. A um, couple years later, they are still together. And Ted miraculously just runs into Diane. So girlfriend number one. Yeah. They rekindle their relationship a little bit. In the meantime, he's still with Elizabeth. Like, they haven't broken up. Right. And she talks him into flying out to California. And at this time, he was also, not only was he working at the, you know, the hotline center, um, but he was also working on the Republican Party campaign. And so he told Elizabeth, hey, I have to go out to California for work, for campaign work. But in reality, he was going out to California to see mm. Elizabeth. Great guy. Just all Great around. Guy. All <laughs> around, right? I know. So, um, uh, long story short, they rekindle their relationship. Um, she tells Ted, they're flying back and forth, you know, from Seattle to California, whatever. She tells Ted, I want to marry you. You're the love of my life. And he's like, okay. I'll propose to you right now. So he proposed to her without a ring. And then it's like he had this ulterior motive in the back of his mind. Super manipulative. But then he says, you know what? While he's back in Seattle and she's in California, ends up contacting her saying, like, this isn't going to work. I'm done. Breaks her heart. Wow. And they end their relationship. And again, in the meantime... He's still with Elizabeth. And does she know anything, Elizabeth? Or... At, this, at this time, it said that she suspected something. But again, he was just a busy person. Yeah. He was still in school. Um, he then enrolls in law school, which we'll talk a little bit about in a minute. But he was just a busy person. So she And with working on the campaign, she didn't question it too much. Wow. And maybe yeah. it was partly in his head just to get back at it, to get back at OG girl. Diane. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. And that's what he says. He says that he loved her, but the second time around, he wasn't in love with her. Mm. He had full on resentment and he wanted to get back at her the way that she made him feel in the beginning. Wow. That is some Whenever dedicated revenge. All those no flights shit. and like. Dude, just lots of money. Just tell her she's a piece of shit and move on. <laughs> like, right? No kidding. So crazy. So 
You know, young adulthood, he's working at the Suicide Hotline Crisis Center in Seattle, and he sat, sat next to this woman named Ann Rule. Um, she was a former cop um, and ended up writing this book right here that I've already read, but I had to reread a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's called The Stranger Beside Me by Ann Rule. Um, she was a volunteer at this crisis hotline center that um, Ted Bundy worked at. So he worked there, but she volunteered. And again, she was a former cop. Um, this book is so good. I mean, it's like over 500 pages, but... It is so good because she wrote this in 1980 and then she revised it in 1986. He was still alive. She revised it again in 1989. He was still alive. And then in the early 2000s and like, and you can see, I mean, it, it'll say like 1989 or 1986 mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. And it is literally all about Ted Bundy from his childhood to the murders, to the trial, to their friendship. It is just so crazy. Wow. So throughout the story, I'm going to be referencing, you know, not only the, the internet research, but a lot from this book. Okay. Awesome. I haven't read it. I need to. You should. I'll let you borrow it. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so in chapter four of this book, Keep in mind, this is 1971. Um, so again, Ted Bundy is still a student, 24 years old. Um, he took phone calls from, you know, the crisis hotline center for people who were wanting to commit suicide. So they would call this hotline and Ted would answer and he would talk these people out of suicide. Anne Roll says the first time she met him, she liked him immediately she sat next to him and often said that she admired how he handled the people over the phone. She said that Ted was patient, kind, understanding, and never hurried any of the people that he talked to. Hmm. She said, and this is quoted from her book, if as many people believe today, Ted Bundy took lives. He also saved lives. I know he did because I was there when he did it. She said, you know, that they became such close friends that not only in 1971 when they met, you know, they talked all the time at work, but up until he was executed right before that, they talked as well. Okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, as far as like, he took lives, but he saved lives. Well, you know, yeah. most murderers also do some good things, but they're still murderers. Yeah, they do. So. They are still murderers. And it's just, it's kind of weird, you know, to think about because, you know, people say he was the most evil man in the world. And, you know, I read like interviews of people that have met him, like women, and they said like the first time that they met him, they were terrified. Um, they literally thought that they were meeting, you know, a demon or, you know, spawn of mm. Satan. Well, and so it, it, it kind of comes down to like the MO people wanting to commit right. suicide or, or who right. are in distress. That wasn't his MO. It's kind of like saying, oh yeah, but look at all the children he didn't kill. Well, that they right. weren't, or look at all the men's lives that he didn't take. And it's like, well, right. that wasn't his... So I don't really, even though maybe yeah. he talked these people off a ledge, he, right. th those weren't his suspects. So you can't right. really was, be like, 
I don't know. Yeah, he was still a bad guy. Like, did he do good things? Yeah, but not all bad people do bad things all the time. Right. So, yeah, she says in this book um, that they became close friends. And she said sometimes they would work late into the evening, being the only two people in the building. She said she never felt unsafe around him. And it was actually the complete opposite. She said... She felt more safe around him than the police officers that came to the center. I'm thinking this lady's the, got a little crush. I know, right? And, you know, I, I kind of thought so too. But, you know, at this time, you know, she was married and stuff. But I don't know. It's weird. Um, she said, this is quoted from, you know, the book. He always insisted on seeing me safely to my car when my shift at the crisis clinic was over in the wee hours of the morning, he stood by until I was safely inside my car, doors locked and engines started, waving to me as I head home from my, uh, as I head home 20 miles away. He would often tell me, be careful, I don't want anything to happen to you. Oh, chills. I know. She also referenced him, you know, in this book as a knight in shining armor too. And the reason why she said this is because he would do things like that. And at this crisis center, she said before Ted, you know, got there and before they worked together, there would be times she would be the only person left in the building. And there would be like a security officer, a police officer at the front of the building because people that were suicidal, not only would they call, but they would come and like bang on the building and bang on the door trying to let them in. And, you know, she would be the only one there other than like a security guard or a police officer. Yeah. She described where they parked to be like three blocks away from the building. And she'd be leaving in the middle of the night or like 4 a.m. Yeah. Right. And she said, you know, he was a knight in shining armor for her because he would walk her to her car. The police officer, the security guard wouldn't even say anything. Like they would mm -hmm. just stay there. Yeah. And so it's just, it's crazy. But, you know, again, she stayed in touch with Ted until he was executed in 1989. Man, I just, I'm like, part of me wants to be like, just like what you said, not all bad people are bad all the time, but also maybe yeah. he was just kind of building his reputation. Yeah. And thinking like, I've got yeah. to present myself a certain way. Uh, Cause obviously right. he's a great manipulator. So yeah, clearly. Absolutely. So, in 1973, so this was 71, um, 1973, Ted was accepted into law school um, <laughs> in Utah. Great. I know, great. Not only a psychology graduate, but now law school. I feel like a lot of the serial killers we've talked about are, um, they pick the best and perfect jobs. Oh, The no worst kidding. ones that they should ever work, but perfect for their killing sprees yeah very very resourceful yeah it's just like weird how fitting it is mm -hmm. yeah. so weird so you know at this time him and elizabeth are still together um he would often drive back and forth you know from utah to the seattle area you know at this time because he was in school um he clearly quit the crisis clinic you know because he was um in school um, he was accepted into the law school, not because of his grades or 
his LSAT score, which determined to be like pretty low. Mm -hmm. Um, He passed, but it was low. But he was accepted because he got two great recommendation letters. The first recommendation letter that he received was from a professor at University of Washington. The second was from the governor of Washington. How did he get that? Well, Ted ended up saving the life of a three-year-old boy um, who was drowning in the middle of the lake. And Ted saw it and he ran after the boy jumped in the lake, swam to get him, and saved the boy from drowning. Okay? Number one. That was referenced in the letter. Number two was referenced in the letter was, you know, that he worked at this crisis hotline, Mm, you know, center, and he saved many lives. And, uh, you know, this governor said he would be a great lawyer and a great politician. Number three, he was working for the Republican campaign on this governor's re-election campaign. Okay, to me, so, that is the only thing that has been applicable to to getting this. Like, great, yeah. you saved a boy's life. Great, you were mm-hmm. um, you were great in the assisting whatever hotline. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that have anything yeah. to do with this position? Apparently, it showed the character, you know, of him, and that. He would be a good, caring lawyer, and I don't know. It's hmm. crazy. Weird. Crazy. Yeah. I know. So, you know, Ted had always been interested in politics. He wanted to be a politician. Not only did he want to be a lawyer, but he wanted to be a politician. That was ultimately, like, his end goal in life was to sometime in his life be a governor or a mayor. Hmm. Yeah. He would have been the first serial killer governor mayor. That would have been interesting. I know. Right? Wouldn't it have been crazy, like, if he, like, the Zodiac killer, if he would have, like, gotten away with all of this and nobody would have known that it was him? Yeah. And he's a governor or a mayor? Right. How crazy. Yeah. How crazy. So, um, fast forward to 1974, you know, just a year later, Bundy is not only dating Elizabeth still, but meets a woman named Carol Ann Boone. And you'll hear a lot about her and her in his trial days. Um, Carol and Elizabeth, you know, did not know about each other until the trial, actually. So, you know, he kind of kept that a secret. He was a womanizer and dated many, many women. Um his also first confirmed victim was in 1974 as well. So it's kind of interesting, you know, because he's finding like love and constantly looking for that thrill or, you know, trying to find happiness, typical Sagittarius, I guess, based off of what I've read. Um, you know, but clearly the two women didn't do it. And so he had to uh, start killing women. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, chemical imbalance, I don't know. I, right. I've been lonely in my life before, but not like, hmm. Not like that. <laughs> not like that. You know like what will really satisfy this loneliness? A good killing. <laughs> A good killing, right? <laughs> So his first confirmed victim was Linda Ann Healy, um, February 1974. She was born in 1952. She grew up in Seattle, loved to sing, um, was a psychology major at the University of Washington in Seattle. 
Um, and keep in mind where she lived was near Taylor Mountain. Now, Taylor Mountain was Ted's burial ground. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, keep in mind, like I said, he's traveling back and forth from Utah to Washington at this time. So, obviously, she lives in Washington, and that is where he ends up killing her. Um, she, all in all, was a great person. She wanted to work with children with disabilities, um, you know, and psychology. So, morning of February 1st, it's right around midnight, um, she returned home from a night out with her friends. Her friends last saw her walking downstairs into her um, apartment complex um, and where she lived, she lived, it's kind of like college housing nowadays, mm-hmm. right? You walk into the building and then there's like multiple different rooms, but you all share like that common area, yeah. right? So they call them, you know, her suite mates or her apartment mates or roommates, right? Um, but they last saw her, you know, walking into her room. Hmm. And again, this was right around midnight. Um, her her sweet mate, Barbara, woke up at 530 in the morning hearing this girl's, you know, uh, alarm go off. And normally she would turn her alarm right off. But unfortunately, Linda this time didn't. The alarm just kept going off. So Barbara walked into her room you know, looking to see where Linda was at or what was going on. And Linda wasn't there. And so she instantly knew something was wrong, but didn't really know for sure. So later on that day, you know, Linda didn't show up for work. You know, her boss was mad. Just weird things were happening here and there. And the sweet mates were like, you know what? She hasn't been home. It's later in the afternoon by this point, yeah, like three o'clock. She hasn't been home. I swear she was here last night. We saw her walk in at midnight. We're going to go and look in her room again. Good thing they did because they saw blood on her sheets. And on a nightgown that she had been wearing, there was blood around the neck of the nightgown. Man. Yeah. So they called the police. Um, the before the police got there, the sweet mates also noticed that the back door was unlocked, and all of them were girls. You know, they always locked the door and knew that something was wrong. Yeah. So you know, the police get there. Um, there wasn't much evidence, honestly, um, and they didn't really have any leads because again, he came in the middle of the night. Nobody saw him. Nobody knew if it was a male or a female, you know, that took her. She just vanished. Hmm. That's scary. That would be terrifying. I know. Especially it in a would house be with terrifying. so many people or an area with so many people. Right. Mm. And this is, you know, kind of what he did. Um, the following year in 1975, her skull was found on Taylor Mountain. The rest of her body wasn't, but her skull was found on Taylor Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. So during the summer of 1974, Bundy killed at least seven more women in Washington and Oregon. Uh, Two of the women ended up disappearing from Lake Sammamish State Park uh, in July, which is right outside of Seattle. Um, Witnesses say that uh, there was a... A man named Ted, he would wear a sling and he would ask women to help him, uh, you know, with his boat or help him get something out of his car. 
And this is how he lured these women in. Um, they also told the police, you know, obviously after these women went missing, you know, from this area, that they heard the name Ted, that he drove a tan Volkswagen bug, and uh, that he was wearing a sling and like aviator type glasses. Yeah. Ugh. How could yeah. anyone drive a tan yellow Volkswagen after this? Right. Right. So, you know, the witnesses gave the sketch artist, um, obviously a really good description. And if you Google the sketch, I mean, it does kind of look like Ted Bundy. Yeah, they nailed it. They nailed it. So, um, people who knew Ted saw similarities between the sketch and, you know, obviously him having a tan Volkswagen bug and would call the police department saying, I think it's Ted Bundy. And they would clearly, like, take that with a grain of salt and be like, nope, he's a law student. You know, he worked for the governor. Um, He worked at the hotline clinic. There's no way it's him. He doesn't even have a criminal record. You all are wrong. That's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, um... Fast forward, you know, this is still in 74, but to August 1974, um, Ted is still going to law school. So he's rarely home with Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth has just like this bad gut feeling that it's him. So she calls the police and turns him in and says, I know it's my boyfriend, Ted Bundy. He has a tan bug. He's been gone. I know it's him. And they literally dismissed everything that she told them and said, nope, you're wrong. He doesn't fit the lead. Like, what? He doesn't fit the description. It's not him. Doesn't We're fit looking the description. For... He's identical yep. to the description. Yep. We're looking for a criminal and he is not it. Oh, man. I just don't know how. Mm. They just had to have been on the ass of someone else. And yeah. just didn't want to explore and open up a whole new right. can of worms. Because why? Like, right. That's nonsense. Well, and at this time, you got to think about it. Like, the 70s were crazy when it comes to serial killers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were so many serial killers, especially on the West Coast at this time. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. And so they had so many different leads for so many different serial killers that they probably thought there's no way it's Ted Bundy. It has to be somebody else. But with the between the sketch, the times, the yeah. and it that that stuff would have been easy to verify as far as you oh, know yeah. when is when is he at school? When is he doing these other things? The car they could have searched it. Yeah. For, well, I guess DNA wasn't really a thing yet. But I mean, yeah, that there's so many things they could have just looked at. Oh, they could have, but if they would have just taken, you know, a lead, you yeah. know, from one of the people that called in and said, like, I don't know, saved... the girlfriend that's, yeah, it would have saved dozens of lives, yeah. dozens, you know, and at this time, women were going missing, not only in Washington, but in Oregon, Colorado and Utah. So in four states at this time. Many of what many women were going missing. All the places he's traveling. Well, all kind the places of. Yeah. he's traveling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, he would typically do the same thing every time to lure these women in. Number one, he was charming. Number two, you know, they felt sorry for him. He would wear a sling or have crutches and ask these women for help. You know, there was one time he needed help getting his books in the back of his car, you know, in, uh, in Utah. And that lured a woman in. There was a time, you know, at Lake Sammamish when he needed help with his boat, but there wasn't even a boat there, right? Yeah. So he would always look like he was hurt in some way and that he needed help. He would then lure the women into his vehicle because he would say like, oh, can you help me take this there? Can you help me drive to my boat or whatever the case may be? And that's when he would handcuff them. So mm -hmm. he would put these women in handcuffs. And then most of the time he would drive to Taylor Mountain and this is where he would tie them up. He would rape them and he would ultimately end up strangling most of them. Wow. The first, first drink of time. The oh my God. Yep. He would keep some of the women alive for days. So he would have some, like some of the women tied up. While he's bringing another woman there so to rape her. Yeah. Yeah. And so he would make them watch what happened to each other. But ultimately, you know, his way of killing these women was strangling them. Number two. After strangling the women. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to get caught up. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, he would engage in necrophilia. So, you know, they would be done. Obviously, that's what necrophilia is. <laughs> um, and he would engage in necrophilia. Sometimes he would like to cut off the heads of the women, too. And, and do very, it? yes, very, very graphic. It is said that he performed necrophilia acts on the heads as well. Yep. Oh, I know. My God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty. And up. I know, I know this does not matter, but for imagery purposes, can you imagine how messy this is? Ew. No. I'm just saying. I, I know that doesn't matter. Yeah. We're, we're beyond. Yeah. The, like mess. Yeah. A mess yeah. mattering, but <laughs> <laughs> things are probably falling out and shit. Like. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and clearly, I mean, I just, I don't know. I have no words for that whole scenario. And I don't like to, uh, like, kink shame anyone, but <laughs> that's some sick shit. Stop it that. It is sick shit. Oh, if you my have, God. Like, a, yeah, if you have a dummy head and you're doing this, you're fucked up. <laughs> and you need to see someone. They say they get, like, those styrofoam heads. Oh, my God. That, like, yeah. You put your wigs on. They got, like, a hole cut out and shit. It's right. Like, this is not a pocket <laughs> pussy. <laughs> oh, but gross. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. What's even more, like, weird is he didn't do this to all of the women, obviously. Um, but he would put makeup on the women that were dead. And he would bathe them. So he didn't like that they were dirty and he didn't like that they were, that their hair was dirty. So he would bathe them, wash their hair, 
put makeup on them Where? before in the mountains. Yeah. Before he would bury their bodies oh or toss their bodies. That is so sinister. I know. It is very sinister. That's it's fucked up. Yeah. That's I know. a lot. Yeah. And, you know, again, at this time, he was still going to law school, but uh, he was a little too busy killing in a four-state radius, so he was clearly skipping classes, you know, wasn't turning in his oh, assignments. They, they would have known that. They would have I know. known that. They would have. If they would have just followed one tip, one, one tip, they would have known. Yeah. But in all of this, he was passing all of his classes because he would like ace the test so, so although he wouldn't genius. do like his assignments yeah clearly he was just a smart guy about law <laughs> i mean as we know and here in a little bit i mean he yeah. ends up representing himself so yeah Which it's kind of crazy stupid Ugh. i know um, so November 8th, 1974. So fast forward a couple of months, you know, we were just in August. Mm -hmm. Um, Carol Durant, she is one who survived. Uh, she went to the mall in Salt Lake City, Utah, and was wanting to go into a bookstore. Um, she was walking into a bookstore when a man came up behind her. It was Ted and said he was a police officer. He said, hey, someone was trying to break into your car back there. Can you, you know, come over here with me? And so she was like, sure. Walked over to her car and noticed, like, nothing was broken into, nothing was missing. And she also said that she smelled alcohol on his breath. Um, she noticed that he was driving a tan Volkswagen bug. He did not have a police car or patrol car. But at this time... She did see that he had a badge, and she said that his badge looked realistic, yeah. and uh, so she trusted him, because at this time, you know, in the 70s, like, you didn't really question, you know, the authorities. Well, you didn't question... undercover cop, off-duty cop, it could have been a lot right. of things. Exactly, and so she, um, you know, trusted anything that he said, and so he was like, I need to bring you back to the station, I saw this guy breaking into your car, I need to take... Um, uh, your statement and then I'll bring you back you know to your car and she's like alright so she gets into the car they're driving just a couple of miles away he pulls over and she looks down at her car door and notice there's no inside door handle mm -mm. for her to get out mm -mm. so the panic I know the panic sets in so he is still in the car and he tells her he then uh, grabs his handcuffs puts a handcuff on one arm tries to get the other and he grabs the gun and points it at her and says if you fight back I will kill you so she's like fuck it I'm fighting she yeah. starts fighting she's gonna him die either way so yeah she's gonna die either way so she starts fighting him and somehow gets out of the car and runs and he was drunk runs and she's screaming and he takes off in the car so she makes it back to, you know, uh, like gas stations. I mean, they're in Salt Lake City, so relatively busy area. Calls the police and tells the police exactly the description, exactly what happened. The vehicle all the way down to, you know, the glasses he was wearing, 
literally everything. And they do what? So they obviously, you know, are looking for this guy. They don't know it's Ted Bundy. But again, it fits the description yeah. of the women that have gone missing in Washington. But keep in mind, we didn't have the technology that we have today to be able to easily communicate with other jurisdictions. So although it made national news that these women in Washington were missing, these women in Colorado or Oregon were missing. It didn't make sense that it was all one person doing this. Well, not to ruin your story, and if I'm fast-forwarding, tell me, but profiling was not a thing yes. yet, right? Correct. Okay. It was not a thing. Profiling was not a thing at this time. Okay, sorry. I thought I heard something. I know, you're fine. <laughs> I get paranoid when we start telling these stories, and I'm home alone. I'm <laughs> right? Like, I know you're like what is that noise also quick story one time Nick and I my yeah. boyfriend and I got into an uber and I am always like I take I've taken ubers by myself for years and years and years all across the country yeah. for work and whatnot but I have told myself like make sure you sit behind the driver not next to the driver you know like be yeah. smart um watch your surroundings but in kansas city actually we got into an uber and i looked at i was sitting behind the driver and i looked at the door handle and it was an older car so it was like plat like you know like that thick rubbery plastic it wasn't like yep. fabric or leather and this was scratched and it's like around the door handle not like <gasps> the window seal this thing has scratch marks in it that look like a knife i mean and I so your instant thought is like has someone tried to like scratch escape. their way out of escape. here yeah um so I start hitting Nick and I'm like trying oh to like God. signal for him to look at it and what? Nick uh, he can just think on his feet he goes so you got a dog <laughs> and the guy was like oh yeah that's what all those scratches are for back there she gets really excited when she's in the car and that's like all the words we exchanged. And I told Nick, I'm like, yeah, so the dog just knows where the handle is. Because right. that's, I have a picture of it somewhere. I need to find it. Because I immediately was like, document this shit. Oh my scared God. scared the hell out of me. I'm surprised no one's like yeah. recorded him. Just for yeah. the fear aspect. But anyways. Right. That is so scary. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, what's your dog's name? Yeah. What kind of dog what is kind it? What kind of dog is it? Is it cute? Does it cuddle? When did you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Can yes, I see a picture a of it? I know you've got a picture yeah, on your I phone. Yeah, can I see a picture of your dog? Anyone who owns a dog has a picture of it on their phone. Exactly. Oh how scary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seriously, how scary. Yeah. I can't even, like, imagine. Can't even imagine. Yeah. So, um, the next victim that we know of is... Uh, Fast forward to January 12th, 1975. So we were just in November, so just a couple months later. Karen Campbell um, and her fiancé were on a ski trip in Aspen, Colorado. Um, she was staying, well, they were staying at the Snowmass Village Resort, and she was last seen in the lobby of the resort. It is said that her husband went to the room for something real quick. Ted must have been, like, watching um, and lured her out of the lobby somehow and, um, ended up killing her. So her nude body, she was completely naked, 
was found about a month later by the side of a dirt road um, just outside of Aspen, Colorado. And it said that she had been strangled. Drink. <laughs> Beaten to death and raped. And can you imagine being that husband? I mean, one, you just lost your wife. And everything fiance, that, fiance, but yeah, and everything yeah. that goes along with that. But who do you think they probably looked at first? Him. Yeah, absolutely. So, ugh. yeah, it's awful. Yeah. So sad. So sad. Um. So I want to stop there for um us to talk more part two. Um, part two, I'm going to talk about like when he gets caught, his trial, you know, all of those details because there's so much that happened. Yes. There's so much that happened in his trial, but so far that is part one of, uh, Mr. Ted Bundy. Woo. Okay. So before we go, let's thank our sponsor. Yes. So we are sponsored by Color Up CBD. We've told you guys about it in the past episode or two, but yeah. they have skincare products. They've got everyday yep. CBD products, dog treats, yes. and so on. We were sent a promo package. It is oh my God. amazing. My favorite so far are the tongue droplets and yeah. the, the daily use droplets, but also the moisturizer serums. I'm obsessed with, especially now that it's winter. Oh my God. I know. I feel like my skin, my hair literally is so dry and it helps tremendously. Mm -hmm. I love the tincture. I like the tincture as well. The droplets in your mouth. I love that uh, serum. Mm -hmm. And then I also love the face wash. It is so creamy and soft. And I feel like even after you like, rinse it off and you pat dry you need minimal moisturizer because it is just so soft yeah agreed i love it i, I think it's great it. i'm so glad they're a friend of the podcast and you can yes. get 20 whole percent off if you use code sinister 20 on their website it is all lowercase yep. and uh, holidays are coming so hello yeah. I personally love to try out new like skincare, makeup, blah, 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 blah. I do too. So I I think giving that as a gift is so nice and perfect. I think it is too. I think it is too. So definitely go show some love for us and our friends and go shop uh, colorupcbd.com. Is that their website? Uh, Colorupco.com. Colorupco.com. That's what it is. Yep. Yep. Colorupco.com. All right. Well, also, what about our uh, patrons? Oh, yeah, shit. I almost freaking forgot. I have a list here. <laughs> I don't think my list is updated. So do you remember them off the top of your head? I do not. I have them okay. written down somewhere. So um, we've got Nick, Cheryl, Valerie, Angie, Haley. I know we have yep. seven total. Uh, we have a new one. Wow. Annette. Annette, Annette, and then we have, um, uh, Justin, Justin. Yeah. Justin was our newest. So, 
Yes. Um, don't forget as a pa- as a patron, you already yeah. have some exclusive content out right now, but yep. you're getting another video on Thanksgiving, which will be way past this by the time this video is released. But anyways, go check it out. <laughs> um, you also have a promo code you can use on our website. So take advantage yes. of that before the year's up. Yes, take advantage. All right. Well, we'll see you in our next episode. Yeah, see you on the next episode. Stay sinister. Bye.